believe this is just the start, God. He has something great planned for you. You're going to leave this place changed, delivered, if you will allow him to today. Amen. First Peter chapter 5 and First Samuel chapter 17 is where we're going to get our text today. Just one verse here. Peter writes to the church. He says, be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I want you to have a clear mind about this. Don't, don't have rose-colored glasses on thinking that your world is never going to be touched by the enemy from here on out. No, he's walking about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for the weak ones, as the lions often do, the ones who are on the side of the pack, the the babies, the ones that would be the easiest for him to attack, and he's seeking them out so that he may devour them. 1 Samuel chapter 17, here we come into the story of David and Goliath, guess that you're probably familiar with the passage here, but we see Samuel, or see uh, David going before King Saul in this moment, and he's telling him why he is qualified to go up and fight Goliath. Really, he needed no qualification except that God had called him to do it. Yet, David, as a young boy, felt, I'm qualified for this because I servant, I kept my father's sheep. One day, a lion came. There was another day when there was a bear. And they took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and I smote him. And I delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against, arose against me, I caught him by his beard and I smote him and I slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. So David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, the Lord be with you. One of the most feared animals on earth, lions, the king of the jungle, the king of the pride lands. You've seen the documentary, The Ghosts of the Savannah, the ones that are at the top of the food chain, the lions, the ones that strike fear in the heart when you finally see them coming out from their hiding place. The lion. I want to just just lift up a hand right now, wherever you're at, seated or standing. I just want to pray that the Lord would be with us here today. Lord, I pray that you would help me to deliver this word, God, as you see fit. God, that I would speak, God, only as you would have me to speak, God, that you would break every yoke and every bondage, Lord, that would have anyone bound up here today, Lord, that anything, whether human or demonic, that would distract us from what you are trying to do. God, that it be cast aside. 
Lord, I pray and release your will right now in Jesus' name. God, let your word pierce our hearts. Let us be changed, delivered, freed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated here today. I want to say it's so good here today to have all friends and guests with us here today. I'm so glad that you've joined us and to worship with us here at New Life today. Welcome to the family. We we hope that you can find a place here and uh, we're so glad that you're with us today. Amen. That's yeah, that's good. Let's put your hands together. I'll say one in particular, so good, and Mason and her family, I think Leo had just, just stepped out, friends of my wife, and um, so glad to have them with us here today, amen. I want to just speak on this topic here today about slaying the lion. Now, I don't know about anybody else, but I can't imagine myself sending out my seven-year-old son, Fitzgerald, out into the pastures to tend a herd of livestock by himself. If I had such a herd, I don't have one. But if I did, and that's just here in Indiana, where there are no lions. And I don't think there's any big bears that are going to come. There's this certain disconnect that we have with this concept living here in the Midwest, here in Indiana, and the United States as we do. But I do recall a story when I was maybe eight or nine years old. There was a, a man who he had come to the United States from a tribal community in Africa. And I, don't, I have no idea why he was there, what, the, what brought him, but he attended or came to... Uh, the church that my family was attending at the time. And this, this man, he was uh, from a tribal community in Africa, as I said. He, was in the, he had told this story about uh, how he, uh, a few years earlier, had chased down and killed a lion with only a spear. And I remember hearing that story, whether it was true or not, whether it was embellished or completely fabricated, I don't know. But me as a young eight, nine-year-old boy, I was fascinated by this, this man who, uh, he certainly, he was even dressed at the time, at, I mean, just like he had just walked out of, out of a tribe of Africa, and, and you know, I, I brought images to my mind of, of, you know, what a young African man, spear in hand, would have been like practicing day after day, throwing that spear at targets, readying himself for the day that that target one day would be alive. And then, then in my ma- imagination, I, I, I could just imagine the adrenaline that this man must have felt as that day approached, that day was there, and that lion was coming at him on that fateful day, and how he must have gripped that spear so tightly and tensed his muscles as he readied his attack. And with laser focus, his eyes... I'm sure we're set upon that target. His feet were turned toward it. And with mere feet separating him from his prey and predator, he launched that spear with all the force that he could muster into that shoulder from uh, of that beast. With its heart beating wildly, he watched it drop to the ground, lifeless before his eyes. At least that's how the story played out in my mind. I have no idea. 
whether or not this actually happened, but he did say that he had killed a lion with just a spear. And killing lions for me was just a fantasy. It was something that I could pretend to do in my backyard with the stick in hand. Me and my brother, we'd go out and we, we would take our little pocket knives and we'd cut down the, uh, the little trees, that would, the small trees that were starting to grow and, and we'd take them or the branches that we could find and we'd whittle them into a spear. And I can remember me and my, my older brother just throwing those spears and practicing. I don't know what we were going, practicing for. We were never going to approach a lion one day, but, but we would, uh, you know, hopefully by my parents' warning, not throw them at each other. But we would practice in their hay bales, and we'd throw them against the hay bales, and they would stick. And, and this was something that, that we would do. It was just, uh, you know, maybe, maybe there would be a, a dog that would surprise us or something, a surprise attack from a dog that we would have to defend ourselves. And in our imagination, that was probably about the worst that might happen. Or maybe the coyotes that were back behind the house, they would probably run for their own lives. But maybe they would attack us one day, and we'd have to defend ourselves but for some young boys, the fight against a lion is real. The fight, it may not even be when you become a man, but when you are just a boy, you might be responsible for protecting your parents' flock or the, the, your, your animals uh, of your family. And it's your responsibility to keep the lions away. In fact, I heard a story about uh, a seven or eight-year-old uh, boy uh, who was in Africa, his name Richard Terer, and he was in Kenya, and he was out, and that was his responsibility to watch his parents' flock and or his parents' uh, cattle that were there, and and the problem was the lions kept coming, and he came up with this contraption that kept the lions away, and he uh, was able to get scholarships and all these accolades for coming up with this way of keeping the lions at bay. See, I have pondered at times. What it must have been like to be uh, little David, the youngest son of Jesse. He's out there and he's tending his father's livestock out in the wilderness of Judah and left alone to figure out how to keep the sheep from dying at the hands of those wild beasts. During the day, he would practice with his staff and, you know, how you could produce that crushing blow against that beast just in case he needed to knock a bear in the head. He picked up rocks and he would fit them snugly into his sling and he would spin that sling over his head and he would send those rocks sailing through the air, hit the nearest tree or whatever target was closest and then you would increasingly make that distance further. I'm sure if you, if that was me at least, this is what I would have been doing. I can imagine that David was doing this where practicing day after day as he's out there as a young boy just watching his father's sheep and eventually that day did come when a bear actually showed up. And young David, he had to scare it away from his sheep with a staff. And then a hungry lion roared and it bared its teeth against the herd of animals. And I don't know how old David was when the lion came, but he was no older than a teenager because when he fought Goliath, he was not yet the legal fighting age of 20 years old. And yet he had the wits about him to scare off the lion with his sling and his stone, even though he was just a boy. See, David, he fought the bear and he fought the lion. He drove them away from his father's livestock. And to me, this 
is as impressive as winning the battle against Goliath. To me, that this is as impressive as, as winning this battle against this giant of a man who was this Philistine coming against the army of Israel. And yes, he had armor as he was the champion, Goliath did. Uh, he, he had been there in training for war since he was a young boy, but he wasn't as unpredictable as a wild beast would be. Yes, he had a spear that was as large as a weaver's beam, but he didn't have teeth and claws that could rip him to shreds. Coming face to face with a lion as a young boy and defeating it had to have been one of David's greatest victories. And I'm wondering if there is anybody here today who would like to experience victory over the lion that keeps prowling around you and roaring loudly in your vicinity and telling you, you're never going to make it. You're all, I'm, I'm, I'm right here warning you not to take another step. I'm telling you that you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to make it to heaven. See, Peter, he declared to the church that we ought to be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion is walking about seeking whom he may devour. Your adversary is stalking you. He is searching for his prime opportunity to attack. And unfortunately, many in the church make it far too easy for those opportunities to come to fruition. And rather than creating barriers to keep the lions away, rather than creating fences and saying, I don't want you to get anywhere close to me. And saying, I want to make sure that my life is, is in a way that, that I am not entertaining things that would cause me to stumble. I'm not walking into situations where I would invite the devil to come and to pounce on me. See, if Daniel, or yes, if, if Daniel, if he taught us anything, switching stories here, but if Daniel taught us anything about fighting lions, it's that prayer We'll leave them defenseless. So when you look at Daniel, when he was thrown into the lion's den, and he found himself down there in that den of lions, he immediately got on his knees, knees and he began to pray for God's protection. And when he did that, the mouths of the lions were shut. These were lions that were hungry. They hadn't eaten breakfast. They hadn't eaten lunch. And Daniel, he was their dinner. He was their bedtime snack. But when Daniel got on his knees and he prayed, the lions had to obey their creator. When he sent an angel into their midst and he told them, step back from my anointed one. See, we must stop leaving the pathway clear for the lion to come in and attack us. The first advantage that you will gain against the lion the first step that you must take in slaying that lion is when you spend time in prayer when you get when you get on your knees in prayer when you lift up your voice to God and you understand that prayer must be a way of life. That it doesn't matter if people think that you're a bit odd because you pray. It doesn't matter if people are going to look at you sideways because you stopped and prayed about a situation. Just pray. It's for your advantage against the lions. 
It's for your advantage because if you are aware, if you are sober and vigilant, you will understand that the devil is lurking there and he's seeking an advantage against you and an opportunity to pounce. But you say, I'm not going to give you the advantage. I'm going to keep an attitude of prayer. Please. Listen to pastor today that the lion who is roaring against you is not doing it because he has all authority. He's just trying to scare you into believing that he has all the power and that he has all the advantages on his side. He doesn't. He doesn't have the advantage. He is not all powerful. Do you realize that you have the power to shut the mouth of the enemy when you get on your knees, when you lift up your hands? Satan does not have all the power. He is not self-existent. God created him. And he is subject to whatever God says that he must do. Come on, somebody. Luke 10, 17 says that the 70, they returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, Jesus, he said to them, I beheld Satan as lightning When he fell from heaven. In other words, do you not realize that I have power over Satan? That I was here before him. And I'm the one who cast him out of heaven. When he raised himself up to think that he could be like me. Behold, I give unto you. Now, Jesus, speaking to his disciples, says, I give to you power to tread on the serpents and the scorpions. And all power over the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. You have the power over your adversary. God has empowered you to be, to be stronger than whatever the devil might attack you with. You could speak to him as a child of God and say, and he has to listen. You could speak to him as a child of God with authority and he has to listen to you. See, when Daniel, when Daniel found himself surrounded by lions, he got on his knees and he began to speak to God. I command these, the mouths of these lions to shut, and they shut. He had physical lions who were right there wanting to tear him apart, but those lions had to obey him. That, those enemies, uh, for him in that moment, they had to obey him, but it's the same thing for you today. When you feel the attack of the enemy come against you, if you could muster up enough energy and muster up enough uh, to, to begin to speak with authority as God, as a child of God and say, devil, get behind me. It, it tells us in scripture that he has to flee. He has to flee. It says resist the devil and he will flee. That's in James 4, 7. Resist the devil and he will flee. You can just tell him, get back in your corner. You're not where you belong. You are not where you belong because I'm a child of God. I have more power than you. I have God on my side. You get back where you belong. Get back where you belong. But there's two parts to this. There's two parts to that scripture, James 4, 7. The first is complete submission to God. Submit yourself to God. Submit yourself to God. And then resist the devil. You could try... To resist the devil all you want. But if you're not submitting yourself to God. Then you're leaving a door wide open for him to come in and attack you. He doesn't have to flee. Because you've left the cover of of the umbrella of the submission to God. 
You've, you've left that covering of that, what, what happens when you are submitted to God. He's covering you. He's protecting you. But when you are not submitted to God, you've left that. And he doesn't have to flee if you're not, un, if you're not covered by that umbrella of your submission to God. See, there is, there's this wild story. If I could even go into and venture into uh, talking about the, the, the man of God in your life. And, and when, when the man of God would speak into your life and, 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 and tell you that there are things that, that God is asking you to do. There's things that God is speaking to you, uh, speaking for you to, to give up and to change. There, there's a, a covering in that when you obey and when you l- listen to the man of God. And there's this wild story. It's in First Kings chapter 13. I'm just going to tell Tell the story here of this man of God who uh, it was from Judah, and he received a word from the Lord. It doesn't tell us the name of this man, but all we know is that uh, he was sent to deliver a message to the king who was in Bethel. And the man of God, he went there and he delivered that message to the king. The king, he didn't like what this man of God had to say. He got angry at him. He stretched his hand out toward him. And when he did that, his hand immediately became withered. The man of God, he prayed, restored this king's hand again and for this the king invited him to stay at his house he says i want you to sit here at my table for dinner but god had given this man of god strict instructions to go directly home i don't want you to stay there i want you to go directly home and go on a different path from which you came to bethel i don't want you to eat anything until you arrive home these were the strict instructions straight from god and this man, uh, this, this man of God, he started out on this journey, but he was soon met, met by another man who proclaimed himself to be a man of God. And this prophet, he invited this man into his house for dinner, and he rejected the offer at first, but then this prophet, he fabricated this story about how an angel came and told him that he was supposed to come over for dinner. And so disregarding the original word that he knew came from God, which said, goes directly home, don't eat until you get there. Now, he goes into this other man's house. He decides to take a pit stop. And I'll just tell you this. that You had better be careful about allowing people to speak into your life. People who want to give you some word of encouragement or to, to give you advice to do this or that. And if it is not, if they are not covered by the word of God, if they are not the man of God that is, is, is there, that God has placed uh, to be the one that's speaking into your life. Not everybody, not everybody is hearing from God when they speak to you. I'm not saying that there's, uh, that, that every word needs to come from me, but, but I'm telling you that there are some who they would try to speak to you and try to get you off course. They would try to tell you things that, that are going to get you off the right path. In the Bible, it tells us that when the man of God left the prophet's house, that the one who had supposedly heard from the angel, the one who's, who had no real authority over him, this was just some guy who swooped in and was trying to give him a word. This wasn't his pastor. This wasn't the man of God in, for his, in his life. This is just someone who wanted to rub shoulders with someone who was on a mission from God. And when he left that man's house and he started on his journey back home, the Bible says that a lion pounced on him and killed him. So you want an advantage against the lion? Then be obedient to the word of God. 
when God is speaking to you, be obedient to his word. Don't stray off the path. Don't stray off the path that... That God has put you on. Don't stray from what God is, is calling you to do. Don't stray from your mission. Stay on mission of what God has called you to. Don't, don't go this way and that way and chasing, you know, this person over here and this YouTube uh, evangelist and this person, you know, this way on, on Facebook that's trying to speak into your life. No, I just want to hear from God. In fact, the very most important thing that I can do is to open up the Word of God and allow that to speak directly into my life and never stray from that i'll never stray from that the word of god is established in heaven and earth forever it never changes so submit yourselves to god resist the devil and he will flee from you so if you're not submitted to god then the lion he does not have to flee from your presence you've lost your advantage in hebrews 13 17 also says obey them that have the rule over you Submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Let me just tell you that your pastor loves you, prays for you. He's telling you that you ought not to do something. It's not because he doesn't love you, he doesn't believe in you. It's because I have to give an account for your soul, and I love you. And you may disagree at times, and you may feel like you've received a word from the Lord, but I promise you that God will confirm the word. Let's keep praying about it. Let's allow ourselves to say, God, I just want to hear your word. Don't leave yourself vulnerable. Peter, going back to our scripture in 1 Peter, he says, be sober, be vigilant. In other words, be hyper aware of what is happening around you. Be hyper aware. Don't fall into a malaise. Don't fall into this trap of thinking that you can afford to go on autopilot. Because it's when you're on autopilot that you stop paying attention to your surroundings. You stop paying attention to the slow creep of the lion who's coming towards you. And rather than going through life with your spiritual autopilot turned on, I just wish that there was somebody in here who would say, I'm on a mission to destroy the enemy of the territory, or the territory of the enemy. I'm on a mission to slay the lion. I'm on a mission to go and to make sure that he never has the advantage against me. I'm going to slay the lion. See, when David was the king of Israel, he had a small group of mighty men. A small group of mighty men that they were his best warriors. These guys, they did things that were absolutely legendary. They defeated giants. They defeated entire squadrons of soldiers by themselves. And one of these men, one of these men, he was named Benaiah. In 1 Chronicles eleven twenty two, and we're coming to a close here, here quickly, but 1 Chronicles eleven twenty two tells us of some of the exploits of this man, Benaiah. It says that he was the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabzolent. He had done many acts. He slew two lion-like men of Moab. Now, I don't know exactly what a lion-like man is, but what I imagine is somebody who has the resemblance of the Incredible Hulk, minus the green skin. And Benaiah, he took down two of these guys. But that's not it. Because it also says, also, he went down... And he slew a lion in a pit 
on a snowy day. Why in the world would you go down into a pit with a lion on purpose? Especially on a snowy day. If the lion is already in the pit, why do you feel the need to go down with it? It's already trapped down there. But he says, I want to go down and slay the lion. Benaiah was on the attack. He was the one hunting the lion. The lion wasn't hunting him. Perhaps the lion used to be hunting him though. But on this day, he was the hunter. Perhaps that lion had terrorized a certain town or someone's livestock. But not anymore. Because Benaiah knew where that lion was going to attack. And so he dug a pit and he lured the lion right into it on that day. And he wasn't satisfied with that lion just staying in the pit and eventually dying of its own accord. He was going to get right down there and kill the lion. And of all days he chose, this just happened on a snowy day. Not the ideal conditions. If he could have chosen another day, he probably would have chosen another day. But here he was with an opportunity to finish off the lion. And he made up his mind. I'm going to do this even though the conditions are not ideal. If we could stand all over this place. I just wonder if there's somebody here today who is sick and tired of the lion expanding his territory. You're sick and tired of the lion lion winning victory after victory over you. Victory after victory over your mind. Causing you all these fits and and turmoil. And and why do you keep going back to the things of sin? The things that you thought that you left behind? Why why do you keep facing this trial and that trial over and over again? Why, Why do you keep facing these things? And maybe even today you're saying, well, this isn't the day to do it. Because I feel pretty defeated right now. It feels like a snowy day. Do we just have somebody, anybody, who is here with a little bit of Benaiah's spirit? Somebody who is willing to come up to this altar and to fight against the enemy that's been fighting against you. The one that's been prowling around you and roaring. Maybe it's going to take a little bit more than just a quiet prayer. It's whispered softly from your lips. Maybe it's going to take a little bit of determination may take some pointed prayers that are tearing down some walls that he has built up. Some things that he... (laughs) Some things that he has told you that you can't do this. But you begin to say, I have authority over you. You stop telling me what I can't do. You stop telling me that you have me cornered. I have the authority. Remember, your enemy is not only subject to God, but he trembles at his name. And he has a clear understanding of where that true authority exists. It's not in his control. It's in God's control. So if you today want to slay a lion, you're welcome to come. Make your way up to this altar. If there's somebody right now who wants to come and you want to help somebody to to, to fight with them, to pray with them at this altar, I want to invite you forward right now. I believe that there's lions that are going to be slain here today. There's lions that, that are going to, uh, they're not going to walk out of this place because you are going to finally take advantage over them and say, no, we're walking out of this place with victory in hand.
The devil's not expanding his territory any longer. He's not telling me that I'm backed into a corner. God is too great. God is too mighty. I just invite you right now just to pray. Let's see victory happen right now in Jesus' name.